Comments made on the Ceratoc Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratoc Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Triple Click Home. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Triple Click Home. This is number 28, so that's what, X, X, V, I, I, I. Is that enough eyes? We got that? Lots of eyes. Yeah, How appropriate for, uh, for for <laughs> it being Triple Click Home 28. Um, a lot going on. Um, I'm JJ Meadow. Glad to be with you. I'm XS Anna. And I'm Steve, Talking Droid or www.comproom.co.uk. Got a lot going on uh, this time. Uh, coming up, we have an interview from Jamie regarding a new app uh, that will help you with your braille contractions, especially for uh, as we transition to the UEB. You down with UEB? Yeah, you know me. That's all coming up. Uh, a lot in the uh, in our feedback this time, uh, and also just uh, we're going to talk a lot about iOS seven point one. In fact, why don't we just go right into that iOS seven one, and it's already on millions and millions of phones um, out there. The latest version of Apple's operating system has been anticipated for a while. No more screen lock, screen lock, screen lock, screen lock, screen lock. I know that was probably the biggest uh, voiceover thing. It's such a minor little bug, but it really got obnoxious when you would press the uh, the button to lock the screen and you'd get the screen locked. <laughs> it would kept, kept yeah. repeating it over and over and over. That obviously there's lots of bigger uh, improvements. In fact, Apple Vis has a list of all of the improvements to iOS 7.1. And there are some new things in terms of low vision, but most of the voiceover stuff seems to be bug fixes, which is nice because, you know, the swipe order needed some tweaking here and there in certain areas. Like The volume bug was a big one. Um, yeah. You couldn't yeah. turn yeah. volume in some cases. If you had the volume in the rotor, you couldn't turn it past 35%. Yeah. And yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that certainly limited things. Uh, let's. Uh, why don't we? Maybe we could bring in uh, Joe Steinkamp for a second, who, of course, has a little more vision than we do. So he maybe can comment a little bit on the low vision stuff. Well, I'm short sighted in other ways. It's okay. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the things for low vision are are good. It is a start uh, in that you do have the ability to do button shapes, which is really kind of cool. So you can have the buttons be more pronounced because one of the downsides of iOS 7 is in certain places it can be very monochromatic. And um, yes, you can, you know, make more contrast or make fonts bolder, but the buttons, the way that the design is in the UI can just look, it flattened it out to a point where you really had trouble seeing that if you were using just zoom. And these button shapes help out. That's kind of one of the better ones that I can think of that really helps things. But unfortunately, the color scheme itself is still going to cause some people to have issues with glare. If they're having trouble with green or yellow and white or even some forms of gray, then iOS 7 is still going to cause a lot of problems unless you want to do inverting, mm -hmm. which you could always do. You could set that through the accessibility shortcut and flip back and forth to you know high contrast where you need it, where you have the uh, invert there. The other thing that's still unfortunately very inconsistent is where the keyboards come in. So if you're using, say, to update a purchase in iTunes or on the App Store, you will run into the white on black keyboard. And if you're doing a search, you're gonna run into the black keys, uh, black lettering on a white keyboard. So you don't have a consistency and you don't really have much is. you can do to change that. Yeah. And that's kind of annoying. So it is definitely better. Uh, I do like some of the default color schemes in where you're looking at notification, uh, notification fonts really do stand out. So if you're barely awake and you, you know, flip on your home screen, uh, you can actually see a lot there. The buttons really do stand out with better fonts 
on say if passcode lock, which is good. So again, if you're trying to focus in on something to enter in a four digit number and you don't want to say, do that 10 times and erase your iPad or your iPhone, <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Um, well, no, on the keyboard again, though, because I've, I've seen some sighted users comment too, is there, there's been some difficulties or people having trouble if um, letters, seeing if letters are capitalized or not capitalized, if the yes. you know the state of the shift key, uh, did, so did that get worse or is that just a, a still same old, same old from seven? I still see a lot of people having trouble with that. I think that you have to pay attention a little bit to see that it's been raised or colored uh, when it's active. But for some people, you know, it doesn't necessarily change the case of the letters. And that's what some keyboards do, right? If you go to capital, then it changes all the letters to look like capitals. But in this case, it's really just an indication that you have that key depressed. And they changed the layout a little bit. You know, I went back to my iPad 1 and noticed that it looks more like a typewriter and, uh, you know, it's running iOS 5. And that seems a bit more familiar, but this is a little bit more stylized. And so the A actually comes over to the far left of the screen and then below is your shift and then below is your, uh, you know, your, your ability to switch to symbols and all of that. I think that's where some of the, it comes into design again, where some people want it to look a certain way that they're familiar with, but it doesn't feel familiar enough when they're going to do something like capitals or alternative symbols. And I, I would be more interested to see if that's also the case with people with other languages. If you're using a multiple language mm. uh, with iOS 7 and does that change, you know, um, can you tell if things are there for umlauts and things like that? So that's a very, very interesting question. I saw people also talking about issues with language with Arabic. There was an actual post on the um, Apple Viz forum for voiceover users. And I I think that's one of the good things about this version of iOS 7.1 is that compact voices sound much clearer. I've yes, never they redid the compact Samantha. voices. Yeah. And yeah. Yes. I've yes. heard nasally, some people say, but I've also heard that they are, they seem to be a little more responsive. Um, and really in many situations now, I think you could just use the compact voice you know, and not feel like you're losing, a, you know, having a huge degradation in quality. So that's really and interesting. And it sounds different from speakers to headphones, too. Yeah, I'm not keen on those voices of compact, but they are much better than they were. They were really horrible before. It's not going to be perfect. No. You know, it, it, there's always a trade-off of responsiveness versus sound. It's just like, you know, yeah. you have that with the, with the vocalizer voices, you have that with Google voices, you have yeah. that, you know, all over yeah. the place. And yeah. for what they are... In, in some situations, I think it definitely um, is an improvement. Yeah. Well, I actually am not a voice snob, but I noticed a difference, and, and a, it, it was a positive difference, so I was pleased with it. Yeah. You're not and one of those blind people that can like like hear like a voice in a commercial and like, oh, yeah, that's real speak Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that is not me. <laughs> but going back to the keyboard issue, what I did notice is that the keyboard is more like a standard cell phone keyboard. Um, it reminded me more of my Android keyboard, but also of the physical keyboard I had on my uh, Windows smartphone. Uh, the the way the letters are laid out um, one over the other and the positioning of the keys. I, I noticed that because I'm a big Explorer person. And so um, I, I have a really clear sense of where the keys are physically on the screen. Mm. And so I think that going back to what uh, Joe was saying, in earlier versions, the keyboard was a little more like a typewriter keyboard, whereas now it's more like a stylized phone keyboard. Hmm. There's a lot, and in, in the Apple Viz post we linked to, they do a really good job of, there's a lot of big and little bugs, over 25 yes. of them. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. in this, you know, so we, you know, we talked about some of the major ones. There's a lot more little things here and there that may or may not affect you. Well, and, and they're those little bugs that would, you know, if it's an app you use a lot and a particular feature you use a lot, it would just drive right. you nuts. Yeah. You had, so iOS 7 comes out in September yeah. of last year. And seven one came out in March of this year, and right. you know there's there's the good and bad. There's a lot of advantages of having the integrated speech and braille experience with voiceover, but then you know sometimes having to wait six months for a simple bug to be fixed. Yeah. You know, I I can see how that would be annoying to some people. There are also bugs. There is a bug in seven point one which with Bluetooth keyboards, where you type something in an edit box like a tweet. You send the tweet. You go to another edit box to type, and it doesn't echo back what you're typing. And then it also doesn't, it puts in random characters sometimes. Jonathan Mosen actually um, demonstrates that on an audio boo. And he said, if you're a big user of Bluetooth keyboards, you might not want to upgrade to 7.1 yet because that does need fixing. And when, it, when it's fixed, when it comes back to working, it stays working for a, quite a time. But right. we, nobody can seem to pre- reproduce it as a pattern, you know. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. Lots of people have already... Uh by the time you're given this warning, though, just in the first day, <laughs> yeah, just in the first day, you had yeah, um, yeah. what six percent of all iPhone users by the first day, and I've seen up to twelve percent depending on where you look in the first couple days. And that's pretty fantastic. That's I amazing. Mean, yeah, yeah. My wife Angie had an error when she tried to update over the air, and the five C would not update what was over the, the air. Uh, it just said an error has occurred. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> checking for updates. Yeah. I cannot update. <laughs> an error has occurred. Checking for updates. Uh, very sensible. Well, you know, it's funny. I updated <laughs> mine on the <laughs> second day after the update came out, mm. and the phone just sort of died. I mean, <laughs> be- beyond the update. And I thought, oh, freaking frack! And I'm going to have to install You're iTunes just, to fix mm, this. Probably. We're just waiting for a reboot. Yeah. Well, no, it went on for years. So I just, I just left it there, and I went to work, and I came back three hours later, and it was fixed. It <laughs> takes a while, and there's there, there's say, a yeah. point where there's not feedback, and yeah. you know, and you see, this happens with a lot of updates. I know this because way too many people were tweeting their update progress. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for <laughs> yes. doing that. That really was appreciated. Not. <laughs> no, no, but this this was above and beyond that. It was like dead for like three hours mm. before yeah. I went to work. Well, we had and to. Then it, we had to do Angie's up. with iTunes. It just would not update. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to do it with iTunes in the end. Yeah. yeah. No, but it, and it that was a 5C. Out. That was a 5C. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, My 5S updated with no problems. So did Angie's iPad Mini and so did Angie's iPad 2. Well, but the, the 5C was about the 5C is if her 5C doesn't work, there's millions more 5Cs just sitting around in warehouses all over the world. But there's 90 million iPhone 6s is the predicted, or, you know, according to one source that we've linked to, um, the initial demand or the initial supply that's being created, which, you know, that, that would be the major, you know, 5S was kind of the incremental, even though you had the fingerprint, uh, the touch ID and all that. Yeah. You know, 6 would be, you have a lot of people still with 4Ss that are kind of waiting for the next big thing. Yeah. Well, and to put that 90 million um, number into perspective, the same article says that Apple sold 51 million 5Ss during the first quarter. So they're really expecting for people to go out and buy it. And what they're appealing to is this interest in having devices with larger screen sizes like phablets so they're they're kind of hoping to tap into that market and, and the rumor is that the iphone 6 will be they're bigger there, i don't I'm know surprised it took them this long to do that i mean yeah. the, the, the yeah. success of samsung on the s4s and things like that um yeah. i mean yeah it's definitely they're gonna have to re- they're, they're gonna have a ton of 5c's to dispose of so maybe they run out of the maybe they do kind of what they do with the five you kill the 
5 because they're going to run out. You make the 5C like the the basic the model, baseline, lower the right. price mm-hmm. a bunch because it was overpriced. Yeah. And make the 6 your, you know, your high-end 5-inch phone. Maybe that's the yeah. way to go. Yeah. The other thing that surprised me about the iPhone is it took them years to make them different colors. Angie wanted the iPhone 5C because she could get a pink one. <laughs> you know, um, oh boy. And, well, yeah. You know, people do want colored phones for some reason. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, they're they're a little they eyes, more personal. And <laughs> other features that the iPhone six is expected to have is um, are a better camera, wireless charging, and okay. a faster processor. But you know, this is all speculation, so we um, don't. Yeah. yeah. Every new phone has a better camera and a faster processor. Oh yeah. 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 I could have yeah. speculated that. Yeah. <laughs> but Apple yeah. haven't but, adopted wireless charging yet, and I'm not sure they will, really. I th- yeah, you wonder, like, if they're, are they waiting for a different standard? Yeah. Um, oh. Because they haven't jumped on, you know, so, so you never know. Sometimes with these new technologies, sometimes they jump on them, yeah. and they get um, way ahead of them, and sometimes they kind of wait and see until everyone else has done it. And then they go their own sweet way, you know, with the lightning, co- you know, uh, connector, <laughs> and then the 30-pin connector before that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of standards... Our show note includes an article about Siri expanding its business partners so that when you tell Siri to do something, it will do it. You know, right now there are deals right. with like open tables so you can book a table at a restaurant. Fandango. Fandango is another <laughs> one, yes. So the idea is, or the rumor is that Apple is trying to open up its partnerships, but there seems to be some kind of internal debate. Some people are thinking that Apple is trying to get more partners to offer more services to iOS users. Well, there's this other contingent that says Apple is thinking about doing the open standards way so that it would be a little more like Google. You know, in, in Android, you can tell the phone that you want to use this messaging app. Maybe I like Chomp SMS instead of the default. And so I tell the phone that this is what we're going to do. And so in theory, I could um, use, you know, voice actions to send a message using Chomp. That's pretty much what that is. Yeah. Say this in Windows um, where you can associate uh, Right, exactly. Windows does the same thing. So, So the idea is that Siri would do the same thing, that I could use any messenger to do this. So, so there is this, this debate, the speculation that, you know, if Apple goes opens, opens up some of its APIs for developers to build Siri interaction into it, into their apps, then the people who've already set up these partnerships and paid money are going to be upset. And mm. I, I don't know. I mean, I think. You know, it's a give and take. If you do things the open way, there are some benefits. But if you do things the closed way, that you know, you you can control what's happening. You can make sure it works the way you think it should work. You know, it needs to work up to your standards. So I'm I'm thinking Apple is not likely to open up. Or what do you guys think? I don't know. I mean, people have said that Apple might open up for years, but I haven't seen yeah. evidence of that. I mean, exactly. Right. Consider keyboards. See, you know. True. You, you can't it's put a good flexi point. Flexi, in the whole flexi situation. You know, the right. flexi oh, yeah. thing. You know. Yeah, there's been a keyboard rumored API for years, but you know, but there's yeah. other areas where they do yeah. where they have opened up, you know, and depending on what you want to do, you can tie in. Perhaps 
the middle ground approach is the way to go. And, um, you know, we, we've had this discussion uh, back when I uh, used to host uh, uh, the other show on this network about um, opening up the APIs and how far you want to go uh, with that. Maybe if you have that middle ground, okay, instead of having a, a, a system where anybody can just add any command willy-nilly to, to Siri, maybe we say, hey, okay, we have a, cal a set of calendar commands. If you want your app to hook into the calendar commands, these are the commands that we will give you, and yeah, you, can, yeah. mm -hmm. you can register for that intent. So instead of like letting anybody just add any command, because that really could get a little crazy, and I understand why yeah. neither yeah. Apple or Google has done that yet, because that Absolutely. could just get crazy. Yeah. yeah. But you know, having some specific intents, you know, so making it so, okay, if you ask for directions, you could say link into to Google or MapQuest or, or Navigon or something right. or, or seeing right. eye, you know, or, you know, so right. maybe, maybe that's the middle ground is the way to go uh, with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that seems to be more consistent with Apple's way of doing things. And so, so I think that's a more realistic thing to speculate than that Apple will just open up. They're not just going to add command, you know, they're not gonna let you yeah. add your own commands. People Absolutely. would, you know, people would do with that. I mean, it'd be crazy. Oh, totally. Totally. And I could see why that would get a little wild west and this wouldn't work well. Hmm. So yeah, we got more on that on the uh, the show notes, of course, uh, and you can go check that out at tripleclickhome.com. Uh, another one, Apple and credit cards. And this story, it makes a lot of sense and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's kind of the point that was uh, made in this article, pretty much talking about the idea of, hey, Apple happens to have more credit card accounts or credit cards on file right now than Amazon more than actually is issued ma uh, MasterCards in the U.S. They have a ton of data. And for Apple to kind of expand and do a payment service uh, would be a very interesting play, albeit not very sexy to the end user. And that was kind of like, okay, well, you could make billions and billions upon, you know, if you were to introduce a, a credit card service, but would that really be a good direction for Apple to take? Well, and I really thought this article's whole take on how it's not sexy to end users was kind of missing the boat. I mean, I think that mm. this plan hinges on buying into the ecosystem. If you are an iOS user and you like the iOS universe with the Mac and and so on, I think having an iCard seems like a natural thing to do. And so this iCard is going to be something like PayPal and all of this speculation has become has started so, because do you buy of certain, PayPal? Or something like that, or a smaller one like a square, or well, the article not without says, running into regulatory situations yeah. that could be. Uh, yeah, but think about this: imagine being able to pay for things with Touch ID. You know, just bing, bang, boom. It's like the Amazon one click of doing things. And if you could open up that SDK out a little bit, like they're doing with beacons, then you could really have more people be a part of that ecosystem. And you see something you want to purchase, then bink, there you go, touch, you know, ID. Or look how uh, advanced the Starbucks app is getting, where you shake things for, no, I don't want to do that, or automatic tipping. They're going to make it much, much, much easier to be able to purchase stuff because uh, the impulse buy is what helps. I mean, iTunes by itself, if you broke off that division, that literally becomes like a Fortune 500 company. I mean, they make a yep. billion dollars a year just by themselves. If you use that and move it on into other payments and, and other things, then that's huge. Where you're going to have fights is the telecom industry because you have uh, Verizon and others doing ISIS and they don't necessarily no. really want to give away that because they want to be that person who pays uh, or gives payment back. Everybody wants to be your bank. Yeah. 
how we pay for things in general. There's a lot. I think we're right at this, you know, intro phase where there's a lot of competing ideas and standards. Mm-hmm. Five years from now, I think the way we pay for most things is going to be completely reimagined from the way that we're doing it now. I'm not sure if it's going to yes. be an yeah. Apple system, if it's going to be Square, if it's going to be PayPal, ISIS, something completely different that we haven't thought of yet. Mm. But it's going to be different. Will it be with Target? Yeah. yeah. Will Target still yeah, be I mean, here? That's, that's the question. That's why we're going to chip and pin. I mean, over here, cards, in yeah, words, wow. I mean, we've had chip and pin for years, but that's right. So you thing. don't sign, right, right here. We yeah. still sign for credit cards, and yeah, most wow. of the rest of the world, wow. you guys put in the pin. Yeah. We don't do that. Yeah, I love it because if, if as long as you know your pin, that's you know yeah. good go. Um, what I was worried about though is we have a thing over here called contactless credit cards. So now what that is is the chip has a um, a, a way of the shop talking to the credit card it, they, they they then take the payment from the credit card without you touching anything so they basically scan the credit card if it's close and so what's happening is you have your one contactless credit card in your wallet and your other one in your hand which is the one you want to use and both of them get uh, charged <laughs> Ooh. Oh, has that yeah. happened before yes it has over in the uk yeah wow. over here yeah and oh, um wow. it's um one of the one of the i think it was marks and spencer's one of our supermarkets had that problem where people were getting two credit cards or debit cards charged mm. you know because they were contactless and the machine was going gotcha you know and mm-hmm. it was doing it with two cards because they were both in range mm-hmm. um so th- th- those kind of things have to be worked out because you know yeah, people have got two phones I, <laughs> I think you have to you have to approve <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah what if you and your wife are both standing there <laughs> yeah. right and then that, <laughs> you know, that's we laugh at it but that is serious stuff that's gonna have to be worked out yeah well yeah. but the other problem that the thing that i think isn't sexy as a consumer is that i I really hate having a million ecosystems. I, I yeah. have an ecosystem for Kindle, one for Microsoft, yeah. one yep. for Android, one for Apple. And yep. I, I don't want to give my credit card to each of them. So, and, and I don't want to have my documents on all of them. So I use Dropbox, which is multi-platform. I use PayPal, which is accepted pretty much anywhere because I, I want to avoid the ecosystem trap. And so I think that's more of a concern. I mean, people who, who are in the ecosystem and love it will buy into this big time. But people who are a little suspicious like me aren't. And so I think that's... But I think there's going to be enough. Because, yeah. okay, look, yeah. at, look look at iTunes Radio. It came out last fall. Not the yeah. greatest radio mm. service out there, but it's not bad. But now, number three. Number three, right behind yeah. iHeartRadio and yeah. way ahead of Spotify. And, you know, only Pandora is way ahead of it. So because you have the buy-in. And mm. it's, you know, of course, the cost of that goes into it. And some people are just buying the radio for the iTunes match. They aren't mm. really caring about the radio. But, you know, that that's a huge buy-in in six months. So you get the same thing with payments. And you've got Google Music, which is pretty interesting and offers a lot and can run on both iOS and Android. But you also have Amazon turning around talking right. about doing its, its own streaming. Thing, so we're yeah. right back to what mm-hmm. Anna was saying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, but the iTunes radio, which has been around less than Google Music, has twice the market share. To be fair, yeah. though, Anna, we're already yeah. used to the multiple ecosystem because, I mean, you've got an Android phone and you've got an iPhone and you've got apps for those phones and you've probably got the same app for Android and iPhone. So you bought it twice, you know. <laughs> um, um, actually, no. Oh, you don't? Okay. <laughs> unless it's, unless money, it's freemium. Wait a minute. Freemium. Place. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Free, freemium. And some and some yeah. people like Humano, uh, if you look at Humano, they, they actually let you log in at, at, at both places. So... Some apps have already thought of that and said, "Okay, if you're if you're right. buying for a subscription, you're but actually you got to buy the subscription the through the website." 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because of the app, because of Apple's rules and and mm-hmm. to a lesser yeah. extent Google's, uh, the MLB app, app at bat app works mm. the same way. It's like I wonder what will happen with Tap Tap C. You know, when you get Android and Apple phones, so you left yeah, it. Well, would be a good. I'm point. guessing it's the same. Well, it's, so is the 7.99 subscription is that done in app purchase currently? Well, I believe right. so. Yeah, on Tap Tap it is. Yeah. Okay, so, so they're gonna, well, they're going to have to reimagine that now somehow. Now, when, when or, that comes along in Android as well, and you've got the two phones, you right. might be you might be only taking two pictures on one phone and seventy on another one. Uh, right. You and know, we know it's coming. They're, I mean, they're doing yeah. probably betas in the next little bit. That yeah, would so, give you seventy-two pictures. Yeah, <laughs> seventy-two. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah. yeah. So seventy-two. That's a lot of pictures. Seventy-two. That's a lot 70, of pictures. Seventy-one of your left hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the left one. Seventy-four of the floor. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, forget and the three pictures. Of your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> forget the pictures. Uh, the beacons. So this is. We had a couple articles in here about beacons. This is kind of interesting to me. If you go to some of the major league baseball parks, uh, it's down in San Diego, which um, just was in a couple weeks ago. Not the baseball park, but it was in San Diego, of course, and. Um, 20 other stadiums right. uh, around the country, they're putting these wireless beacons around the park to track you, to monitor you, to spy on you, yeah. or, or uh, to help you and assist you and yay. sell you relevant merchandise. You know, Sounds like what Google's doing already, really, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, indoor mapping is the thing, right? <laughs> because Apple's already got lots of patents on that and able to do it by looking at sensors already in the iPhone 5S. And now Google's trying to do that with Project Tango, but with beacons, you actually have, they're, they're sort of like location services with Wi-Fi, and so it knows yep. where you are. And imagine having the ability to get off the subway or off public transportation and have that guide you to your seat. And I mean, it, it can be that accurate to be able yeah, to yeah. guide you with your iDevice and yeah. say, okay, um, cool. you know, go up ramp C, Okay, I'm going up ramp C. This is good. Okay, well, you're going to go 35 feet and then you're going to want to turn because that's going to be the aisle you, you're going to want to go down. That for us is fantastic. So how do we standardize all that though? That's you know that's always been, again, it's just like credit cards. and We have all these different indoor technologies. At some point, a standard is going to have to emerge so a someone who's developing an accessible indoor GPS experience can tie into this and we don't have 10 different types of beacons in 10 different types of places. Well, but I'm also cynical about the fact that this is going to um, highlight features that are useful to us, like find a seat. I, I actually think find a seat is going to be a common feature since if you've ever gone to a concert or a sports event, no one can find their seat. But beyond that, I think it's going to tell us where the guy with the popcorn and the beer and the hot dog is and where to buy the cap. And I'm okay with that. You know how hard it is to get them to stop and track him down? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, hey, oh dude, gosh, if you could I'm order it and then money. have it delivered to your seat. Yeah, that would be cool, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? Could do yeah, that. and they've done yeah. that. Some stadiums have done that, like, through text messaging and things like that, but it's a little right. more mm-hmm. archaic mm-hmm. than this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the two-wayness, though, scares me, though, because it's just, well, I mean, I guess it's, it's this is new normal, you know? Pretty much you're going to be tracked down to the, the foot. And uh, I guess, but you're going to be able to see things like internationally. You're going to be able to see like uh, soccer matches and stuff like that. And there'll there'll be some cross pollinization, or there'll be a company that sets these up and does it for both sides, or even Windows Phone or something crazy like that. Because nobody's going to want to leave money on the table. That's you know that's truly the case. And if you see you know some uh, attraction with iDevices, especially North America then you're going to see, you know, outside North America where Android is a little bit more prevalent, 
do that. And, you know, you're going to have those systems come in. So at some point, somewhere, some way, somehow, both systems will exist because it's and just And they mentioned Android big. in this uh, thing. So, you know, for those of you that are using Androids, yeah. you guys can uh, look it's at that as well. It's just too big. I mean, there's yeah. just too much money laying on the table for somebody to walk away from something like that. Well, and another option is that things will just be done a little different for the other platform. For example, Shelf Bucks is another... <laughs> similar concept. So the beacons are going to um, be on the store shelves and you'll need to be using Bluetooth or near field. So it sounds like both Apple and Android will have access to this and it'll give you store offers. Now I had an interesting shopping experience with some friends of mine. We went to a craft store to load up on yarn and fabric and blah, blah, blah. And so when it was time to pay, I can relate. Yeah, when it was time to pay, my friends whipped out. Oh, stop it. (laughs) (sighs) Men. Anyway, so when it was time to pay, my friends whipped out their smartphones and they, they opened up the app for the store and they had to scroll through about 20 coupons to find the coupons that applied to this purchase. So, in theory, something like this would be great. So, when we're in the yarn section, the beacon would send out only the yarn coupons as as opposed to the coupons for every freaking segment. Well, that's good because there's the only 5,000 kinds of yarn. Or <laughs> well, but there's or... only like five <sighs> yarn coupons, you know, so right. the whole tap, scrolling tap, through the, tap, tap, through the list. What color is this? Blue. Yeah. No, is it light blue? Is it fuchsia? Is it royal blue? <laughs> oh, God, let's just not go there because in addition to the label, then the front has to verify, and that's just an experience to be lived through, let me tell you. <laughs> 16.7 million colors. How good is that sensor? And there is <laughs> one, yeah, and there's a flavor of yarn for every single one of them. Um, some stores do this. I mean, it, it's all going to be down the user interface and trying to figure this out. Uh, Meyer, which is a Midwest um, convenience, uh, grocery, supermarket, everything store here, they do M perks. And it's pretty much, they have an app for iPhone, they have an app for Android, but they also, they let basically have you clip the coupons ahead of time so you're not fumbling for them at the checkout. So you mark the coupons, and then when you're at the checkout, you put in your phone number and your PIN, and then it will give you the coupon. So, you know, that might be a little better system. Um, of course, you know, everything that involves entering information, then maybe there's a quicker way to do it. But a lot of it's exploratory. All this beacon stuff is very exploratory. Let's find out what works and what doesn't, and I'm okay with that. You know, right, and the developer than, uh, of the Shelf Bucks actually says, you know, at first this will be the novelty will be interesting to people, so they'll go along with it, but eventually they'll get tired of it. So we need to work out the bugs so it's helpful and interesting to people without being annoying and overwhelming. So, well, do you remember the experiments that Walmart did with RFID? They tried RFID the first time because they wanted somebody to be able to just walk through the aisles and be able to take inventory. So they wouldn't have to, you know, sit there and right. look at each one and count each one and all right. of this. So they really pushed for the companies that sold products through Walmart to have RFID tags. What they found was is that it was somewhere between 35 to 65 percent inaccurate. Oh wow! So so they yeah. they they played with it and they tried it, but this would be better in a lot of ways because the technology has gotten smarter and certainly the devices that people would use are smarter. And again, we're back to making it easy, making it really quick for you to grab that stick of gum before you walk out the door. And that's what it is. I mean, how many of us have gone, eh, 99 cents? I could do that. Yeah, it's on sale. Well, I may never use this app, but it's on sale, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. 
I did that with Flexi. <laughs> I saved money. No, you didn't save money because you bought it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the logic is all uh, all messed up there. But there you go. Lots of stuff about uh, about iBeacons there in the uh, the show notes. So so go check that out. We got a lot more coming up on episode twenty eight of uh, Triple Click Home, including a story about Apple and a lawsuit. What? Never. Mm. More after this. Once again, I am joined by David Ward, who has developed the really popular Braille Sonar program, which is now Braille Sonar Pro. David, welcome back to Triple Click Home. We're glad to have you back on our podcast. It's good to be here, Jamie. I appreciate it. Now, you are back because there are a lot of developments with this app, which I've had a chance to play with and really am impressed with. You've done a lot of great work with this thing, by the way. Oh, I really appreciate that. Trying to do it the best I can to improve it for our users. So um, there's a nice demo, some nice tutorial work there that you've done. Go ahead and tell us, uh, first of all, for those of our listeners who might not remember, tell them what Braille Sonar Pro is first. Okay. Uh, Braille Sonar, uh, now the Pro Edition, is very similar to the original edition. It's a reference tool, not a translation tool. Um, So... For example, let's say you're composing a letter in Braille and you're trying to remember what the uh, abbreviation for world is or uh, the or something, you know, something, well, the you'd probably know all the time because you use that pretty regular, but something unusual or punctuation, you can type it in in the English uh, search field, uh, hit enter, and it'll pull up and tell you what the... uh, the braille dots you need are. Uh, conversely, if you're reading along a letter or something and you hit that punctuation or something, you have no idea what it is, you can type in the dots you see and uh, hit enter, and it'll tell you what the uh, contraction might be or the expression is in braille. That's, that's excellent. Now, one of the things that's happened recently, and you've taken, you've jumped on this, and I'm really impressed, by the way, is that the United States has adopted the UEB, the Unified English Braille code, which isn't going to be fully implemented for a couple of years, but I think it would be wise uh, for Braille users to go ahead and get on the ball with this thing. I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts and what you've done with the Braille Sonar Pro app to make that possible. Yeah, um, so <laughs> it has demanded changes, and, and uh, I'm a Braille user too, so I'm going to have to stay uh, at pace with the changes as they come with the new uh, UEB. The original release of the app was right after uh, the Braille Authority of North America announced the the adoption, Uh, but they've got more serious about it, and they're talking about, you know, a timetable, I think 2016 or something like that, and so uh, I got right on board talking to ICEB, the International Council on English Braille, talking to some of their staff about implementing it, and they were very helpful in providing uh, spreadsheets and databases that that map uh, what symbols go with what dot layout and uh, sections of their rule books that talk about Mm -hmm. how it's to be used. And so uh, I tried to integrate all that I could into the app so that you can get an idea of how the new new Braille code works and even do a side-by-side comparison. Yeah, I really like the fact that you link to the manual. That is um, the rules. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful. Yeah. I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts, because when I first looked at UEB, I thought, oh, wow, okay, this is simple because a lot of the oddities in the old Braille code are gone. That mm-hmm. is true, but at the same time, they've introduced a lot of new signs to help Braille readers be able to see print formatting a little more clearly. Oh, yeah. Certain things make tremendous sense, and 
to those who aren't familiar with UEB yet, the basics are still very sound. Uh, the alphabet, the numbers, a few things like that. Most of the contractions are very similar, but you're you're right. It can get <laughs> and when I started uploading the database and tweaking it and stuff, you start to realize because of its international scope, there's a lot of stuff in there now for math and uh, mm-hmm. symbols and currencies and weird sort of like drawings and symbols and, uh, and, and a lot of stuff that uh, could kind of start to blow your mind. Uh, probably stuff you won't use a lot if you're just reading a right. book though but you know yeah. but uh, still True. it's it's pretty mind-boggling but that brings us to what i really want to talk about and that is the use case for this app uh, in, in other words i'm reading a document i'm reading a book or maybe a magazine uh, say i've got mm-hmm. a computer magazine that is done in ueb which by the way i kind of miss the old computer braille code but oh well i'll get over that mm-hmm. i guess and i come across something I don't quite know what that is. That's where your app comes in handy. So how would I go about maybe finding this odd little combination of dots or something that I've just run across? Well, like you said, if you're reading along and you see um, something that you're not familiar with, you know, most uh, punctuation's a lower contraction. So you see something like that, you just type in the dots in one of the search fields, the dot search field, and you hit enter. And it can be set either to do the old BANA standard, the English Braille American edition, or the new UEB standard, or you can compare both of them side by side. And as soon as you hit enter, you'll get your results, and it'll tell you, uh, hopefully, (laughs) what that symbol is. And uh, you can continue reading uh, your book just as you normally did, hopefully with a little more insight into that symbol now. I was telling David before the podcast, whenever I typed in the number sign, which is dots three four five six and i literally just typed in three four five six in the edit Mm -hmm. field well samantha was helpful enough on in voiceover to tell me that it was number sign but when she got to the fact that it was ble she literally (laughs) pronounced it bleh so with the attitude so that's right (laughs) so i'm assuming if i wanted to type a bullet like if i saw dots four five six and then dots two five six so two cells do you just put a uh-huh. space between those that's what i figured okay excellent oh uh actually uh it'll take it either way it'll take it either way really? if it's a two yeah if it's a two cell okay. contraction very nice doesn't matter very, very yep good deal yeah so i mean this app although you can browse you know i'm still looking for the hard copy edition of the new uh ueb signs and symbols and i'll probably get that when it comes out but Mm-hmm. I'm reading along and, and I come across something and I want to look something specific up. Now, you can browse, can't you, like at your leisure in this app if you choose to do it that way? Yeah, that's actually a feature I'm really proud of. You can go to what I call the index feature and it'll just list from like A to Z everything in the entire database. Uh, and of course, you can look at both or or just the UEB codec and just... You start off at the beginning, uh, I think it's probably the numbers are the first ones that are listed, and you can just go through it 10 items at a time and get an idea of different things. And you can do a side-by-side comparison too and and say, okay, I want this or that. And if there's any easier ideas for searching that, you know, that's a long list of symbols. It's like 1,500 symbols. So uh, I'm open to ideas from our users out there, uh, anything that would make it better for them. But it's kind of a real handy kind of tool. 
Now let's talk about pricing because I know you've had to raise the price. Um, I personally have some definite thoughts in favor of the developer on that. I know our community tends to sometimes have, you know, wish that people wouldn't have to raise the prices, but from a developer standpoint, talk to us about mm -hmm. why that's necessary. Well, why it's necessary. I guess um, up until now, and, and I, it's kind of been almost a voluntary effort, me developing the app, um, I, I get a little revenue in to maybe pay for server fees and maybe my annual uh, Apple fees, but uh, hasn't really generated a lot of uh, revenue. Uh, but this is something in the community we all have to kind of work with and play with, and uh, we've seen that with the... Uh, the Bradley Watch, we've seen it with uh, Windows Eyes now working with Office, you know, having to kind of change their ideas about revenue streams. We've seen it with TapTapC, which, my goodness, they do a lot of server end yes. stuff that I don't I do not do. Man, I, my app <laughs> yeah. is really low, uh, low bandwidth compared to what they're doing. But um, I, I bumped it up to uh, $9.99 for right now. I mm -hmm. kind of thought... You know, something I purchase personally now and again is EPUB books, uh, electronic mm -hmm. books, especially through like O'Reilly and stuff where you can get it in DAISY format. And right. I think I'm getting quite a deal when I get uh, my $25 book for $12 or something when it's half price or something. So I was thinking, you know, $9, $9.99 is a good kind of like, that's what I would pay for a little reference book. And right. that's kind of what this kind of does. And so I thought, you know, that's probably a good price point to try for a while and see how the community reacts. And I'm, I'm open to input. So uh, anything people think about that, just let that's me a know. Good, that's a good comparison. I hadn't really thought about that. You go online and you look for any quick reference guide in Braille and you look mm -hmm. at the price and that's that's pretty reasonable. That's just right about that price point. So that that's a good way to to look at that. Uh, you are, however, going to do a little something for the Triple Click Home listeners. Would you want to go ahead and share with us what you have planned? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> I love uh, Triple Click from the very beginning and all the SPN podcast. I love uh, your work, Jamie and Alina and Lisa and uh, Ranger Station there and Ricky. And I just, I love the work you guys do. And so... To promote the podcast and to promote the product, um, I'll do a 50% off for, well, at least 48 hours after the release of this podcast. So if you're hearing this now, then go over and uh, pick it up. It's going to be $4.99. So uh, maybe I'll even stretch it out a little bit. Who knows? Feel free to, to tweet me tweet me your thoughts. Uh, I got a new Twitter handle, uh, Braille Sonar, at Braille Sonar uh, for, the, for the app. And so just let mm -hmm. me know what you all think. And I, I even tweeted, I think it was a week or so ago, um, an application for some developers and different people that have input or professionals in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, just apply and I'll be happy to maybe send you a demo code too, even after the, um, the promotion is done with. So just let me know. I want to get some feedback about how we can make the app better, you know, what we can do. Well, we'll definitely promote that on Twitter for you and, and with you, and um, I would encourage those in the community. Um, David is is extending something to us, so let's go ahead and support him, and let's, let's uh, trust me, you're going to need it. If you're a Braille reader, <laughs> this is coming, and you just might as well take yeah. your head out of the sand <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and kind of pull in, tighten up your belt, and, and deal with it. So uh, this is uh, a good way to, get to approach that, I can promise you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it. we got to get on board, man. We got to we got to figure out how to, you know, the books are going to be changing. Everything's going to be changing, and uh, and I suspect and it's really, going to be gradual. 
You know, so you're not going to yeah. wake up one day and find it all. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, this this magazine's using a little bit of UEB here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure um, Triple Click has an international audience as well, and they've already been yes. using it, you know, in Australia and the UK and, and New Zealand. Yeah. And so, uh, so they're ahead of us a little bit. But still, I mean, after you've been learning how to read something for so many years, you got to... Mm-hmm. You got to look back every once in a while and say, okay, what is this I'm reading? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, David, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to visit with us today on this podcast. I'd like to thank you also for the promo code that you're extending. Let's uh, let people know one more time how they can get a hold of you, all the social media, web content, all that that you want to give us. Okay, sure. So uh, you can reach me at the Twitter account at BrailleSonar all one word they're kind of jammed together and uh of course uh the main corporate site is at your fingertips dot biz b-i-z in particular slash apps if you want to find out more about braille sonar uh my personal account is where most people have been hearing about all this stuff and where we've talked jamie and that's uh, at cert doctor on twitter um yeah but i have an e- i have an email account too uh for the project uh, braille sonar at gmail uh, any feedback the community would like, uh, and feel free to pick up the, the app when it's on discount. And if you can't get it at that time or you hear this a little late uh, and you're in the industry, uh, shoot me an email. Maybe I can send out a promo code or something like that. Um, just love to hear more feedback about, uh, and I really want to encourage Braille literacy because Braille is just awesome and it has its place yes. in so many places and it really... I mean, what would we do without it? I mean, it's, right. you know, we really right. we really need it, especially for certain things. You just can't get by. Like you said, you're going to read along and blah, you know? Yeah. You get the, yeah. the BLE and you have no idea what you're reading. So uh, right. Braille really helps right. us bridge that gap. Yeah. Indeed it <laughs> but does. I, I, but I really appreciate being able to talk to you, Jamie. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here on the podcast. Well, you got a great app there and I wish you the best. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing. Okay. It's Braille Sonar Pro, so that implies there will be a Braille Sonar Lite. And so uh, that's in the works, and hopefully in the next couple weeks I'll get a Lite edition out. It won't have all the full feature set, um, but uh, it'll be a lot cheaper, and that way people can get acquainted with the app and uh, at least maybe have a really cheap reference guide available as well. So that's coming. Very nice. Well, glad to hear that as well. For the Triple Click Home Podcast, I'm Jamie Pauls visiting with David Ward about Braille Sonar Pro. Welcome back. Episode 28 of Triple Click Home. How you all doing? Um, that was a really interesting uh, interview there, Jamie. And uh, they're definitely important to uh, stay up on Braille. And um, as it's uh, changing, it's the first time that Braille has changed in my life as far as the codes. And that's it, definitely uh, an interesting thing to follow. Got some more um, interesting news and uh, um, a lawsuit, as I had alluded to earlier, uh, involving Apple, not involving Samsung. Hey, there you go. There's a. This is nothing new, but it it, it kind of comes out because it's it's now uh, Apple on iPods. Uh, there is a lawsuit that was filed in Florida alleging that Apple's point of sale systems are not accessible to the blind because they don't have physical buttons, so you're not able to operate them in the store and. As a blind person, okay. you're just I mean, not used to dealing with non-physical buttons. And they couldn't make it accessible? They couldn't add voiceover to the the POS? Well, according to this article, the 
POS does include some accessibility. And the thing is, when I first started reading this article, I kind of poo-pooed it and thought, really? Grow up, you know? <laughs> but the more I thought about it, the more I, I kind of, I think he might have a point. I've been to the Apple Store a couple of times. It's extremely noisy. We'll just start with that. So, like, one time I took my um, Mac laptop in, and... I asked the, you know, the genius some questions. And so he had to crank the volume <laughs> way up for us both to hear it, for me to hear it. And um, so the thing is, you would have to turn the volume. Should have taken one of those pairs of Bose headphones up. and kind of plugged and it in. And then the other thing <laughs> is, you know, when you're entering your password, voiceover says, A, star. B star. So it's there's it's not a secret <laughs> what you're typing. And so I mean I think earphones are a good workaround that's cheap. That's what the bank AP ATMs do. Exactly. Um, you know, it's just, this problem is way beyond. I I guess you gotta pick on somebody to try to start getting the ball rolling here. This problem is way beyond Apple. And yeah. Maybe Apple got gets picked on because, well, hey, they already have iPods. Why can't they just turn on voiceover and make it accessible? Mm-hmm. There's lots of stores that have touchscreen kiosks. And as uh, we actually were kind of talking about earlier, Steve, you guys over in Europe, you guys enter pins for everything now on, a, on yeah, credit cards, Yeah, we do. Cards, we right? have chip and pin. So no, nobody, unless you can opt out and sign, but you have to opt out. So normally you'd get a chip and pin card. And you just type in a four-digit so pin. So this is going to become more of an issue because lots of stores right now have the signature pads and we sign, and that's how we do yeah. it. But as we switch over to chip and pin here, which is going to happen and starting start to the next year or two, that's going to, I mean, it's just going to have to be figured but JJ, out. It's, it's very easy in Europe because they don't have touch pads. They have um, telephone-style keypads. So oh, great. The, the card machine, you put your card in the machine and it's a little portable machine. And it has mm-hmm. a 3690 star hash keypad um, sure. with an enter key. And we have a lot and of And you those. just type the number in and hit enter and you go home and yep. everyone's happy, you know. No, and a lot of stores have that. Um, like Walgreens, for instance, and others, they have those keypads. And it works great if you're using a debit card. And those machines probably can be retrofitted to do the chip and pin. But not all stores are like that. There's a lot of them that have just have a touch screen for the same. So maybe you have a regulation already in place. Well, we don't. We don't have. I've that. never seen a store that has a touch screen for chip and pin. I feel like if we don't, I feel like if we don't fight this battle now, we're gonna have that here. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, and so in that sense, I kind of agree with this guy that it would be nice. I mean, not everyone's comfortable with the whole touch screen thing. They're resisting it, and they're they're looking for phones with physical keyboards. And I think maybe older people who are losing their sight um, late in life might have an issue with this whole touch screen thing. So so I kind of get his point. And in a way, I'm kind of with him on, on the principle of the thing, because here, at least here in my area, I would say that the this physical buttons are, are available only about half the time, if that. The rest of the time, it's the touch screen. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, that's the thing. As we switch over to, to PIN, PIN-based credit cards especially, we need to ensure, I don't care, me personally, I don't care if it's a touch screen access solution or if it's it's actual buttons, but we need to have one or the other. And whichever it is needs to be accessible yeah. because okay, I don't want to have my open pin in the room people. is that at one time when the Apple store started, it was windows embedded, I believe as their uh, <laughs> POS. Mm. So 
it, it, it could it could all be Microsoft's fault. That's I'm just saying that. It just <laughs> uh, no, I agree. But also think of things like Square and other payment systems, and maybe eventually that's is what it is. You just pay with your Apple devices and IPKins or something like yeah, we, that. Yeah, we come full maybe circle. That, yeah, that, that becomes the default. I mean, yeah. you already but can buy yeah, it right. and then just pick it up. Yeah. If somebody uses Square, you're right. They're not going to have a, a physical keypad. Right now, they have a little Square reader, and then you sign on the phone if it's more than 25 bucks. where I'm sure Square will just modify their app. They aren't going to give everyone physical keypads. Right. Right. They're just going to modify right, their app right. and have people do the touchscreen. I mean, what what, we, yeah. what so, we have, JJ, here as a company, my company, is we actually, when we go out on the road to exhibitions, we have a little machine that pairs to my phone or tablet via Bluetooth. And you, as a customer, would put your credit card into it and you type in on the physical keypad the PIN. And then my, my phone or tablet will process the payment and email you a receipt. It's great. Right. Oh, wow. So there are, there are solutions yeah. out there. We just need to make sure that they get adopted yeah. everywhere. Is really is really how that yeah. goes. So I don't know. I mean, this is in Florida. We'll still have to see how this happens. And they should have filed it in California if they really mm. wanted the best accessibility results. And but you know, it is what it is. And I don't think it's. I mean, whether this suit gets resolved in any particular way or not, I this this definitely won't be the end of this discussion mm. because we need to figure something out. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it needs to be um, easier than it is to uh, search for apps. Yeah, <laughs> on the App Store. Yeah, searching for apps is not an easy thing, regardless of your platform. I personally find it a little more difficult on iOS, but it's not me, and it's not necessarily the fault of anyone. The thing is, so we have this article in the show notes that um, gives a lot of tips for finding the app you want. The example she gave is that she was trying to find an app for adjusting the resolution of her photos. And so she tried a number of key terms like resize photo and photo resolution, and eventually she found it. And basically all of her tips boil down to, you need to try different search terms to find your app. Now, one of the things I do sometimes is translate iOS apps. And so I translate the key terms and um, what I've been told by a number of developers is that the search engine that the App Store has is very basic. So, for example, if you search for photo and the key term is photos, it won't necessarily match because it's got to be the same. And so sometimes developers have to type, for example, let's say my app is called more caffeine. So a developer would have to propose the search <laughs> strings more space caffeine and then more caffeine is one word and maybe even more caffeine is spelled, you know. Mm. And so yep. that way it, the user the end user is more likely to get this as a result. So just just as an FYI, do what um the person who wrote this article says, try different search strings to get at what you want. Um, but also be careful about spelling and spacing and things like that, because that, that also makes a oh, difference. Yeah. I've noticed different results. Uh, people say searching for blind space bargains versus blind bargains, no space, right. you know, and you know, yeah, you're and like you said, this is not an, an Apple an problem unique to Apple. You have a million apps. Yeah. 
or close to that on both sides. How do you how do you bring the ones to the top that really are the best and that someone is searching for? It? Oh. It's the classic search problem. When I was searching for mobile accessibility, mm. you know, which was an app for Android on Google Play, and typing in that exact term, the name of the app in quotes, it still would bring up other apps. Yeah. You know, so I, I was just going to say that, JJ. I wish that the search engines on both platforms were more advanced, like Google. So, for example, you could put mobile and, in uppercase, accessibility, and it would only look at things with those two words um, and, and so on. Um, Google has a lot of advanced stuff in search, but it, it's not translated to the App Store or the Play Store. Did you mean... Yeah, did you mean <laughs> when you yeah. were searching? Did you, did mean, you mean? Did you mean? <laughs> yeah. But you, did you mean? No, I didn't mean that at all. Where <laughs> uh, I looked up a dark room because everybody was talking about that. And it's a good game, actually. I could not find it in, in iOS search. It is just crazy on the, on the iTunes store, and it just drove me nuts. Yeah. And um, podcasts can be that way, too, if you look, look for certain things. Mm. Um, just type in the word blind and see what comes up mm. for the first time, yeah. like you were saying oh, with gosh. blind bargains. I mean, there are. it is very difficult to find relevant search. It's not that you can't always find it. Um, well, blind has always been a tricky search term. Sure. Because yeah. you get yeah. poker sure. you know. and other stuff. You know? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Poker and Windows. I and found a dark room. I didn't have much difficulty finding that, I have to say. It's a good game, too. Uh, I kind of like it. Well, you know, you, you maybe you put a dark room and he put dark room. You know, it, I tried dark room. Ooh, yeah, nope, you come up that. with all the photography apps, don't you? <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. Get all the HDR stuff <laughs> and the LSR stuff. And that's a logical response, yeah. though. I would expect yeah. that yeah. to see a dark yeah. room, right? But yeah. this is why some companies like King, who makes Candy Crush Saga, tried to own the name Candy in the iStore and other stores they wanted it to be the thing you would find if you searched for candy yeah yeah so what if nestle's or uh mars or some other company wants to be able to do something with candy well that makes a lot of sense and now we're getting into craziness like people uh (laughs) saying that the color purple is theirs like t-mobile uh you can't use purple with any of your advertising because we own the color purple what if somebody wants to what if the studio that made the movie the color purple wants to correct (laughs) exactly that would be steven spielberg and he'd probably have the money to fight it yeah Yeah. so as you're searching for as you're searching for these apps a couple of new ones uh we've put in the show notes uh haven't had a lot of time to test them out uh, for accessibility uh, but one called Parcel Delivery, which I believe is accessible. I just haven't got a chance to put it on myself. Jamie said it looked cool. That's why it's there. It looked oh, well. cool. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, well, that's well, a good reason to put it in, isn't it? It looks cool. <laughs> well, you know, that that's great. Yeah. Well, I used to use a service called Track This, which was a really cool thing. You could do it over Twitter. It would track all of your packages, and then you could just tweet at it, and it would tell you, give you updates. Track This ceased to track this um, as of the end of last year, unfortunately. So I've been looking for an alternative and this may be one, I believe it's cross-platform and also web-based. So if you're the type of person like me who has a lot of packages going all in and out of the country and all over the place, this might be one to try out. And um, you know, do let us know what you you find. And if this works for you, uh, let us know. Is it international? UPS it, or just FedEx US? And, you know. No, there were lots of international no, no. Um, yeah. on there. Yeah, 200 different uh, yeah. carriers. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. So if you're using China Post yeah. or EMS or Hong Kong, whatever, yeah. and you yeah. know. Cool. DHL worldwide and all the other fancy things that are out there. They are there. Beyond that, a bunch of other uh, tips came in uh, that we've just kind of included in the show notes to help you out. Um, One dealing with uh, mapping the 
insert key when you're using a VM Fusion to run, you know, running Windows. How do you how do you make that work? With you know, it's always tried to retrofit a Mac keyboard to Windows is fun because you have several different keys that exist on one and not the other. We also have tips on Time Machine and how to set that up and use it. Also, the keychain in the cloud and using your Apple TV remote for lots of cool things. There you go. Good if you have an Apple TV remote. If you don't have an Apple TV remote, it won't work. And a lot of that's just updated just for iOS uh, 7.1. You will. That's uh, right. Apple TV did get an update, and mm-hmm. that voice also changed. Well, you can use well. your Apple. You can use your 7.1 in the car now, can't you? Got in car yeah, stuff, CarPlay. CarPlay. Well, now you're just seeing the, uh, the accessible car interface. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, one of us has to get a Ferrari or a very high-end uh, BMW. Or <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure the SPN budget can cover that well, for so. review purposes. Maybe as a rental? Sure. Maybe. <laughs> We'll yeah. do it. We'll uh, do it uh, like most uh, rap artists do. We'll just rent out uh, that thing for. You should have got it going to see some. <laughs> yes, Ferrari. Yes. Why yeah. was I thinking about play. a gigantic black truck when we could be using <laughs> so few <laughs> less clothes? I'm gonna wear the same thing over and over again for a while. Um, you'll be able to smell me on the floor. The um, the uh, Joe, where yet? Oh, <laughs> there, there, oh, right there. over there. Got it. The Sarah the, Tech uh, right <laughs> though. <laughs> It's a new. It's a totally different kind of beacon, right? That's the CarPlay though is an interesting thing because it's Apple. You know, poor Apple gets beaten up all the time for you should spend more money on technology and more companies. Well, we bought twenty six of them in the last two years. Uh, you 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 should get into more things. You can't just be this. Okay, we're getting into cars. Um, okay. And this is a perfect example where you've got two industries. You've got GM and Ford and all these guys who go, man. Updating this stuff is hard and <laughs> takes a lot of time and effort when we just want to sell cars and you have somebody like Apple who says, look, we can do what we're already doing and make your life easier. Instead of having a dock, we can have this just kind of talk back and forth or be a, a head unit that you can put in the car. And if somebody wants to have more features then they can just either upgrade that unit or they can swap it out and do it aftermarket where that's going to be a really interesting play because if you think about iCloud and all your apps, especially if you have something like iTunes radio, where you could carry your playlist with you from your iPhone to your Mac to your car, that's huge. That is really, really huge because then you're, if you stay within the Apple ecosystem, you just have a much easier time. When I got my new iPad air and I fired it up for the first time, there was some nicety about not having to install a bunch of things or put the data back or some things were already saved in iCloud. So I all I had to do you. was log into Solera and there was all yeah. my stuff. And <laughs> so I'm the, an Apple girl in the, an Apple well, there's, world. Uh, there's, there's that. Right. Yeah. But imagine, you know, for us, if we're sitting in the passenger side and hypothetically, we could control the radio we could find out where we are. We could use Apple Maps and with AirDrop, maybe drop something over to it. I mean, for us, it would actually make car trips a little bit more interesting or more frustrating for the driver. <laughs> yeah. Turn right. Yeah. <laughs> Backseat driver. Are you kidding? Turn. San Diego is my, fa- my favorite place because that's where Ricky and I had dueling GPSs going. And it was uh, turn right on oh. A Street. Uh, a, a street? What street? Which street? Why? <laughs> <laughs> and then there you really sit there and you navigate and it was 
a street as in the letter a street. Yeah, no, that's yep, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> they have the letter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pick a street. Pick just a start street. on it. Good old yeah. San Diego. Yeah. Turn right. On. Yeah. Did, did it actually say a street though? Because it, it would actually better. say mm. a street. Because if, if if it were to just kind of just turn turn right on a street, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sometimes turn on the right TTS on does a street. Sometimes it yeah. does. Yeah. 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 That would have been even funnier. Yeah. Choose one. Don't there use the go. sidewalk. Yeah. Oh, actually, we have OnStar in this latest vehicle that we're using, and my very favorite is... They still exist? Oh, dude, yes. Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've interpreted yeah. calls for OnStar. They do. And uh, theirs are funny because then it's, when possible, make a legal and safe U-turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was wow. like, well, not only did you have to tell me legal, but I need to be safe when doing it. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of uh, requests. So, now I want that in Sendero. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Sendero doesn't have like all yeah. like the blind features. Yeah. You know, like yeah. well, there was like the joke. You know, this intersection is not safe for you to cross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want all, I want all the voices though. I mean, I think I can't remember which voice it was. Somebody called Sharon Stone. I think one. And it, it sort of says, turn your stupid ass round now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want, and they're on Tom Tom, you know, you're great. <laughs> I want that on well, my well, uh, phone, you know. They I, had the Darth Vader voice and they had the Homer voice and they had Kit from Knight Rider too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> William <Nice. Gannis. laughs> We still got more coming up in this episode of Triple Click Home, how FaceTime helps save a person's life. All that and much more coming up. On episode 28. Hi, this is a quick demo of Google Search for iOS. Um, excuse the noise, it's because we've got the iPhone close to the mixer, I guess, and it's uh, doing iPhone type things or doing phone type things, and so we may get the odd sort of uh, phone cell noise, you know, thing, but never mind. Anyway, this is a, a demo of the uh, Google Search thing. I'm not going to demonstrate typing into it or anything like that, and I'm not going to demonstrate the cards. This is really to demonstrate Google Search on the iPhone. And ironically, it's faster than Siri. You'll see what I mean. The difference between Siri and Google Search is that Google uh, Siri is more conversational. That is to say, it will try and answer questions more sort of in a more personal way, whereas Google Search tends to just give you the data. So, for example, you know, you might say how many yards in a mile and Google will just give you the figure and Siri will say, let me look at my sources and things like that. It will give you lots of, uh, what, what you know, verbiage, as I call it, verbiage, which to me is unnecessary, but people like that. Some people like that. So let's have a look at Google search. So I'm going to... Um, Extras folder. So like playing a dark room. Yeah. My just night terror sky. So make sure we can hear that. Google. The speech is nice and slow. So we Double go in there. Open. Now, the nice thing about Google search is that we can interact with it without touching the phone at all. So I'm going to open Google search. Okay, Google. How many yards in a mile? One mile is 1760 yards. You see how fast that was? How many yards in a mile? Search um, field. That is really Double fast. Tap to edit. Now, we'll try one more. And I'm going to ask the same question in a minute of Siri. So here we go. Okay, Google. Convert $100 to UK pounds. 100 US dollars equals 60.63 British pounds sterling. Convert okay. $100 to UK pounds. Search field. That is damn fast. Double tap to edit. I have to say that is damn fast. Now, I'm going to come out of this, and Home. I'm going to do the same Google. thing in Siri. I'm going to ask the same Double question. In fact, I'll ask the same questions 
two questions that I asked, and we'll see how Siri handles them, just as a little comparison, just for a bit of fun. Here we go. How many yards in a mile? Let me check that. I found something on the web about that. Check it out. Okay, so it doesn't give you the answer at all. So you have to go exploring and uh, doing this. How many yards in one mile? That's who answers UK. Yeah. UK. Uh, one thousand seven hundred and sixty yards. So you have to go and look for it. Whereas Google Search gives you the answer straight away within literally a second or two. And this is the same phone on the same Wi-Fi and the same connections and things like that. Let's try the other question then. Let's go here and convert one hundred dollars to UK pounds. Let me have a look. 100 US dollars converts to about 60.61 British pounds. Now, it did give you the answer on that one. So there's two different results you get from Siri. But with Google Search, you actually do get a very, very fast result, I find. But I just thought for this uh, edition, I'd just do a quick comparison of the two. The other things you can do with Google Search are to type in your search directly. And you can also have what they call cards that come up like transport and your favorite teams and sport but i'm not going to demonstrate those today because i haven't really gone on into those with the ios side i just installed the google search and i was mightily impressed with it on the iphone as well it really is fast i'm using an iphone 5s and i'm using in the in the two results i used the same wi-fi the same network conditions and i recorded it live as it were as i'm talking to you that's my demo for this time. Hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll catch you again soon. Google Maps is a GPS application that gives you turn-by-turn -turn guidance, as well as route information. Let's check it out. I've got Google Maps on my iPhone. Google Maps. Double tap to open. Google Maps. Skip button. This app was recently updated. Make it your map. Sign in to save time with access to past searches, favorite places, and improved recommendations. And below that is my Gmail account. I can choose it or I can double tap a button for adding another account. So I'm going to select my existing account and double tap. Query. Search. Text field. Across the top of the screen, we have four items. They are... If I double tap here, I can enter a destination. I can enter a specific address, or I can enter a place name, like Starbucks. Directions. Button. Directions. If I tap here, I can set navigation to transit, bicycling, driving, or walking modes. View profile. Button. View profile. If I tap here, I can enter my home address read a list of saved locations, and do a few other things. Menu. Button. If I double tap here, I can access app settings as well as other more visual interfaces like Google Earth. And at the bottom right, we may have compass mode or move to my location if location tracking is on. Okay, let's double tap the search edit field to search for Starbucks which is where I enjoy using my Nexus 7 tablet while sipping a nice cold frappuccino. Query. Search. Text field. 
Text field. Is editing. Search. So there's a keyboard in the lower portion of the screen, but there's also a list of recent searches. Shop and go. North Fowler Avenue. Our Lady of Empty Carmel Church. View more recent history. Okay, let's um enter Starbucks. S. S. G. T. T. A. A. R. R. B. B. H. Directions to Starbucks. One mile. Button. Very good. That is my nearest Starbucks. So I'm going to explore the screen to find out what else is there. Then I'm going to double tap that destination. Query. Starbucks. Text field. Results list. Button. Clear. Button. Menu. Button. Move to my location. Button. Starbucks. 4.6 stars. 6 reviews. Directions to Starbucks. Four minutes. Button. In this case, we only have one result. Sometimes the app will give me a series of options, so I would just slide my finger down the screen to hear them all. The main result is located at the bottom of the screen. Starbucks. 4.6 stars. Six reviews. Okay, and if I slide my finger to the right, I get directions to Starbucks. Directions to Starbucks. Four minutes. Button. Let's double tap there. Start navigation. Okay, the next screen has a lot of useful information. Across the top we have the various transportation modes. Selected. Driving mode. Button. Transit mode. Button. Bicycling mode. Button. Walking mode. Button. Cancel. Button. Back to previous screen. Right below that, we have a few more options. Let's continue. My location button. My location that tells me where I am. Swap start and destination button. Swap start and destination button. So if I were at Starbucks, I could look up this search and just swap the start and end points. Starbucks button. Starbucks, that's the location I'm searching for. Root options button. Root options other ways to get to the same Starbucks. Lower down the screen we have the actual route. Four minutes, 1.3 mile. Why we and Fowler Ave? So if I go via Dayton Avenue and Fowler Avenue it'll take four minutes, assuming I'm going by car, and I can also start the navigation instructions. Start navigation. Okay, before I do that I want to change the travel mode to walking. Walking mode button. Selected. Walking mode. Let's check the route information again. 26 minutes, 1.3 mile. Why we take and Fowler Ah, very good. Now it's going to take 26 minutes and it's 1.3 miles because I have to do some roundabouting. I actually have another route that I can take. It also appears on this screen. Let's find out. 32 minutes, 1.6 miles, via Eshields Ave and N. Fowler Ave. So I could take the shorter route, which takes 26 minutes, or the longer route, which takes 30 minutes. To get to the list of directions, I'm going to double tap on one of these routes. Route from my location to, no. 
Okay, now I'm on the main root screen. I'm going to search for the icon that gives me the same time and root information. 26 minutes walking. Why we take Nate and then Fowler 8? Okay, I'm going to double tap. Turn right onto Ifedora 8, 302 feet. Now, this is the screen that actually has the directions. What VoiceOver just announced is near the end of the route, so I'm going to start exploring at the top of the screen and listen to the directions. 26 minutes walking. Why we take Nate and then Fowler 8? Walking directions. Beta. Use caution. My location. Head north on N. Claremont 820 Dayton 8, 463 feet. Continue on to E. Dayton 8, 0.4 miles. Continue on to N. Shirley 8, 305 feet. Turn right onto E. Fedora 8, 302 feet. Turn left onto N. Fowler 8, 0.7 miles. Destination will be on the left. Starbucks, 2170 N. Fowler 8. And it also gives me the full address with city, state, and zip. If I'm ready to set out, I can double tap the navigate button. Navigate button. Google Maps navigation is in beta. Use caution. Head north. Son and Claremont 820 Dayton 8. Adjustable. The first voice you heard was Lois, the, the voice, voice of Google. Google. After that, you heard voiceover. If you somehow miss the instructions, they're on the screen, so you can actually touch the screen. Very good. Now we're going to exit, since I don't feel like walking out yet. And that's all there is to it. This is the sound of a brand new outdoor grill being hurled off a 20-story building. Now a stylish glass coffee table. An electric guitar. These are the things you could enjoy all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Visit energysavers.gov and get tips on how to save energy and money. Then do things like switch to Energy Star light bulbs or Energy Star appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. So this doesn't happen to the recliner you've had your eye on. Or this to the treadmill on your wish list. Or this to the shiny new bike your kid's been asking for. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back, episode 28. We have a lot of feedback this time. Um, there's several ways that you can uh, leave us feedback. Please do so. You can email resources at serotalk.com. You can go to tripleclickhome.com and send us feedback that way. Also at tripleclickhome on Twitter. Or call the Blab line 866-997-2522. 866-997-BLAB. Anna, what do we got? Okay, well, first of all, we have an email from Marcus. I like it. He's very engaged in the show. Very good. First of all, he wants to let us know that there are phone plans in other countries. He actually mentions quite a few Ireland, Germany. So it sounds like their their system involves uh, contracts and plans as well for those who are interested. And he, Yeah, for the subsidized phone model, right? Oh, yeah, so that, yeah. You we, know, we have them over here. I mean, in the UK. So you pay... 
uh, so much a month and you get the phone virtually for free, but you end up paying about four times the price for the phone. But you pay for incoming calls. No, we don't. We no, only, he's, he's don't. actually surprised. Hmm. He says, really, hmm. you people pay for hmm. incoming calls? So no, apparently does? he does Some countries still do it, yeah. right? We, we, That's- we pay for incoming calls if we go abroad. So um, if, if I come to, to the States and anyone rings me, I have to pay for incoming calls. But while I'm in my own country, I don't. Well, I guess that's the same as here. Well, I mean, well, we don't really I, I, pay got for a incoming calls necessarily, but they do count against our minutes, incoming mm. or outgoing. Mm. Right. And it always used to be that the cell phone plans in some other countries, they made a big distinction between incoming and outgoing. And that was always the difference between there and here. Things have got a little muddied now because you have a lot more unlimited plans. So the idea of minutes doesn't always make as much sense, but... A lot of the lower end plans still do deal with minutes. I always, you know, I try to remember remember that sometimes these lower end plans, these subsidized plans, two hundred minutes a month, that's not a lot. Right, that's basically an emergency phone, you know. And um, the other thing is that he points out, and and we have this too, is that if you're calling people on the same carrier, it, you usually get it free time. You know, there, there's no yeah. time limits on what you can do. Yeah, we have that here too. Now, one thing that Marcus points out, and Janine also mentions this, is that the show was a bit harsh on Marco Z's blog post about going oh, back yeah. to Windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going you back know, to Windows. Yeah, Windows. I, I, I can see why you Windows. can say that. We, we probably were a little harsh last time as far. I mean, it, it's it's a strong subject to deal with. And the the point was made um and it really is a valid point like look you're gonna have the fanboys on either side the windows people are gonna say i told you so the mac people are gonna say why are you you know insulting our our perfect operating system and you know there's probably a middle ground somewhere you know i thought a lot of the points were valid now it's up to you whether or not that's enough to make you dislike an operating system there's no perfect operating system. Exactly. Everything has its trade-offs. And Janine points this out. She mentions that there are bits and pieces that she she misses from Windows, but all the other stuff is so much more worth it that she she's okay with that, and it's not a big deal for her. And it sounds like for Marco Z, it was kind of the other way around. He was He was gung-ho. He was willing to try it, but the little bits and pieces added up for him, so... We all make this decision. And, and well, he didn't just try it, did he? He used it for five years, to be fair. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's it's not as if he tried it for two weeks and said, I don't like this, I'm going to go back to Windows. He's actually okay. saying it got worse. But to look at it the other way, obviously it was good enough for him for five years. Yeah, right. But right. It's, it, it's it's apparently... He said it progressively got worse. Yeah, it's got right. worse. And, yeah. and, I mean, it's it's like anything. You the know. same could be said for Windows. Yeah. You know, Jaws hasn't kept up with the times. No. Oh, absolutely. That's right. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's it's not just a, an Apple issue. You know, Web 2.0 and screen readers especially still have not meshed in a way that they should be. And that's right. You know, a lot, a lot of screen readers are still kind of on this old school. Hey, let's just download the web page and then we will give you this alternative way of, of viewing it. And that obviously doesn't work for most websites these days. So there, you know, there's issues all over the place. It's what do you use the most? If you use word processing, then maybe you can't. Uh, do it as much on the Mac because uh, you know there's a lot of problems. Of course, Office doesn't work at all, and Pages has its issues. But if you if you're an audio person, if you do editing, if you do a lot of web surfing and email, you know the Mac really you know does shine a lot in those areas. And of course, some of the things just work. You know, I had a Braille display, a, uh, a Focus Braille display, plugged it in, no drivers, no nothing. It just works. It just works, and that's how it should be. 
Well, and how ironic was it that people had said, okay, well, in Mavericks, it clearly is, you know, pointing to that voiceover is no longer getting love from Apple. That That's crazy talk, you oh, know, yeah, but definitely. we heard some of the same things that have happened on Windows screen readers for years start to be lobbied at Apple. So I think you're right. I don't know that there's pleasing everyone or anyone in some cases. Some people are going to feel uh, slighted no matter what operating system they're on. But hey, you know, boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> there's that's yeah. the ability that you can do i mean to go at it from the other side doing a hackintosh no right. thank you and look look you know people are talking about hey i write accessibility at apple.com and i don't i get a, a canned response well what do you expect to get no major company is going to be you know what thank you for that bug we've logged it as report 3581 and we will have a fix for you within the next 17 days you're just you're not going to get that from any no you know even, even most adaptive tech companies aren't going to give you that Correct. You know, it, because, hey, being on the other side of that and being someone who's programmed software, you have a lot of bugs that come in. Nothing is perfect and you have to prioritize. And the last thing you want to do is promise somebody that something is going to be fixed by a particular date or in a particular version. Because if for some reason that doesn't work out, then you've just made a whole bunch of people unhappy. Exactly. Exactly. One more little follow-up comment. Uh, we talked about Spotify last time and the iPhone versus the iPad version. And yeah, you're right. You can do individual songs on the iPad where you can't on the iPhone. Spotify has a lot of interesting restrictions as this goes. The easiest way to get around all of that is to get Spotify Premium if you want to spend the 10 bucks a month and you can have a lot more freedom on what you can play, where, when, and how. But you know there are some differences. And here we go again with the whole which ecosystem do you want to buy in. That's a, the same app in you know, whatever platform you installed on, whether it's the web-based version, the Windows version, the iPhone version, the iPad version, the Nexus 7 version, you get slightly different experiences all for the same you know, general service. Or iTunes Radio. <laughs> well, we haven't got iTunes Radio in the UK yet, so. Oh, that's true. It yes. uh, just went to Canada, yes. and I, I think it's working its way there towards you. It's very very crazy, but I, I think I was trying I to think get to Canada. I think it's held up in customs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, perhaps it's we need true. the parcel delivery app to find it. <laughs> that, that, that would help. It would help. All right. So to finish the show, we've got a story about a two-year-old who was able to call 911 using FaceTime. So what happened was that his mom was out stopping a fight between two dogs, and she got her finger bitten and it bled. Now, having owned dogs my entire life, I'm wondering why she didn't just use a hose to split them <laughs> apart, but city people just don't know anything. Anyway, so she got her finger bitten, and there was blood all over the place. She tried calling 911, but the phone got all full of blood and covered in blood, and so she told her four-year-old daughters to call 911, but they got grossed out with the phone, and then she called the two-year-old over. And he left. I'm imagining this child leaving calmly, you know, like a little adult. He grabbed a dish towel. He cleaned up the phone. He used FaceTime to call a, his mom's friend. And so the mom's friend said, oh, what's the matter? And then the mother screams. And so the friend decided, oh, we should call 911 emergency services. And <laughs> so she did. And the two-year-old was able to open the door for the fireman hey. who came to provide, you know, first aid services. So that is Son a is very... named Bentley. <laughs> Bentley, yes! <laughs> I'm totally imagining him in a tie, a suit and tie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh man, that that that's that kid's gonna have an interesting life. Well done. Yeah, you perhaps saved a life early. You know, at least got the emergency assistance that was needed there. You know, we kind of uh, laugh about this, and it's a really good story. But dialing nine one one has gotten a little harder in some cases now. Like, you know, there was a story down in Texas at a hotel where some kid couldn't save their mom's life because the phone when you dialed nine hit outside line. So he dialed 911 like you're supposed to, and it didn't go out, and that story did not end well. So, you know, it really needs to put a little more thought into emergencies and things like that. You know, how could you pick up somebody's phone and dial 911 if you needed to? Again, going back to let's make sure you can turn on accessibility on any device that you touch, because yeah. what if something is going on? I need to turn on a phone. I need to dial out. Just just FYI, now. it's uh, in the UK, it's 999. So it's not 911. Nine, so there nine. you just keep pressing nine until something yeah, happens. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's easier, I would say. Which kind of makes more sense, actually. I would say it's a bit easier, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, on a more serious note, I think it's really important for us to be able to access emergency services. I know when I was younger, I had an incident with a stalker, and so that's the reason I got my first cell phone, so that I could call for help immediately. And so Apple has filed some patents for a new possible attack mode. And I'm kind of curious about how this will work. Um, it sounds like there will be different modes that you can have the phone sort of on alert so that you can shake it or touch it or lift your finger or maybe press the volume buttons in a certain way. I could see some situations for that. Like, if, yeah, say yeah. you're in, going in with a cab and, a, you know, you're late at night in a cab by yourself oh, yeah. in a new city. Something like that, you might like just in case you have that kind of ready to yeah. to activate, just and you know if something were to happen. I mean, these are things to think about. You don't want to hit up your Siri as someone is trying to hurt you and you know call nine one one. You know that wouldn't be good because I'm, I'm yeah. the way it's going to go is call nine. Actually, you know? how I how I can imagine it, it goes like this: you say call nine one one, and Siri says, "I can't take any requests at this time." Exactly, we are offline. Right. Seen that exactly. one? <laughs> now searching for nine one one. Did you say call nine one one? No, we're not finding any nuns near you. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, and so it, 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 you're right. It's a story that we I mean we, we could joke about all of that, all the ways yeah. it, it could go wrong, but it, it definitely is something that should be figured out, um, especially as we transition to most households not having a landline phone anymore. Mm. Uh, so yeah. you know, it's becoming an issue for sure. For sure. Well, hey, it's been fun. Episode 28 uh, in the books uh, of Triple Kick Home. Uh, thank you all for listening. I do uh, send us some feedback and let us know what you think of the, the special episode. We definitely um, can't wait to hear from you and via your eye reports or the, the blab line or, of course, on Twitter and the website as, as well. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm JJ Meadow. Lots of CSUN coverage, including uh, the latest and apps and more uh, over at Blind Bargains, blindbargains.com. And also some cool accessories for your iOS device, everything from uh, keyboards to those talking batteries and much more over at ATGuys.com. I'm Access Anna. To find out more about my blog, check out the show notes. And I'm Steve Nutt of Computer Room Services, www.comproom.co.uk, where you can get similar accessories for iPhone and uh, various keyboards and talking battery packs and all kinds of things like that. That's going to do it, folks. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.